Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. Today's message from Joel Nagel continues the Treasuring God series and is called Treasuring the Word. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, you guys can hear me. Okay, maybe lower that a little bit. Woo! I have water in this ear, so it feels, it sounds even worse to me, um, if you can imagine that. Uh, so good to be with you this morning. Let's, uh, I'm going to just start by reading this passage. I'm not even going to tell you where it's at. We're just going to go from this. Ready? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That's how the Bible's longest book, the book of Psalms, begins. A person can either delight in the law of the Lord, and then live a fruitful life like that tree planted by a stream, Or she can be adrift, blown around like chaff. That's the choice. And we like to think that there's something in between where we can kind of be godly, kind of do our own thing, but not just Psalm chapter 1, but all throughout the Bible. It's a choice between one thing or the other thing. What we see here and in other places is that the difference between a fruitful life and a fleeting life is the value that we place on the Word of God. How much you treasure the Word, and that's the title of today's message, is the difference between a rooted life and a wind-torn life. Do you treasure the Word of God? We're going to spend some time getting re-rooted this morning, and we're going to be in the Gospel of John. So if you want to turn there, you can turn to John chapter 1. And if you can find John in your Bible, you will be ready for the whole message today. What, What I want to do today is I want us to reorient our treasure that, that we could treasure the Word of God. And I think the Gospel of John is such an amazing place to do that because this is how the Gospel of John begins. In John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Apostle John treasured the word of God. 
And what he presents right off, right off the bat, at the beginning of his gospel, is that in, in a sense, Jesus and the Word of God are one and the same. Did you know that? Did you know that when you read the Bible, no matter where you're reading in the Bible, you're reading about Jesus. You're interacting with Jesus himself. And when you look to Jesus in your life, and when you pray to God, when you spend time with Jesus, you're experiencing the true word of God. They work together. We like to separate it out. Well, here's a book about Jesus. No, this is you spend, you're spending time with Jesus when you're hanging out in this book. When you have time in your Bible, and we're all, as a community, one of our standards is we want to spend time daily in the Bible. When you do that, it should feel like you're meeting up with a friend. That's, that's how I know when, I, when, I, when I'm really close to God, when I'm like, man, this, this, this is awesome. It's when in the morning I just can't wait to open up my Bible and spend time with Jesus. Not just read my Bible, but open up the Bible and spend time with Jesus. And I can't wait for that, to read his word, take some notes, and pray. How does it feel when you read your Bible? Does it feel like you're meeting with a friend? Because that's the reality of what's happening. That's how John begins his gospel. And so as we read some other parts of John today, this is so cool, what we're going to get to see is we're going to get to see people reacting to Jesus. But what we're really seeing is we're seeing people, how they react to the Word of God. And what I think we'll see is our reactions to the Word of God are not so different from the reactions that people had to the Word of God in the flesh to Jesus Christ, because in a sense, they are the same. And so let's look at three ways three interactions, and then three reactions that we can have and sometimes have to the Word of God. And the first one is defensiveness and pride. Isn't that crazy? Like, you can read a book, and a book could make you defensive. <laughs> like, it's alive, so it does. A book can rile up our pride. Let's look at how this happened in the Gospel of John, in John 8. And we'll start reading in verse 30. And the, uh, you know, the, the Bible um, companies, the publishers, they put in those, those headings, and those are helpful. They're awesome. But we can, we're just going to read right through that. And you can do that too when you're reading your Bible. Um, it says in verse 30, it says, As he, Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. That's awesome. People are believing in Jesus. Amen. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I think this is a pretty familiar passage for a lot of us, and it seems pretty straightforward, right? Jesus is talking to a group of people who are beginning to believe in him. And that's not a small thing. To believe in Jesus, to identify with what Jesus was doing, would have had major consequences in their society. And so Jesus could have been like, this is awesome, good job everybody, believing in me, so happy. 
But instead, he turns and he challenges them even more. He says, belief is awesome, but you've got you to hold to my teaching. You have to, if you're going to follow me, you've got to actually follow me. You've got to do what I say. That was, that was a tough teaching for them. I think that's a tough teaching for us sometimes. And, and even if Jesus would have left it at that, it would have been hard. I think they would have been like, okay, we've we got to really follow Jesus. All right, let's do this. But then Jesus says, to, at the end of it, just little, this little thing, he says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And for us, that sounds like inspirational, right? The truth will set you free. Yeah, man. But for them, he might as well have stabbed them in their hearts. In fact, I've got a friend who calls this getting stabbed in the pride. And that's what Jesus does with that line. The truth will set you free. He's not just challenging them. He's challenging their pride. They're getting poked in the pride. Because here's the thing. If you tell somebody that they will be set free, you're implying something, aren't you? You're saying, you're not free right now. And this is how they respond to that in verse 33. If we keep reading, it says, They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They are offended by the implication that they are slaves to anyone. What do you mean we're not free? What are you talking about? What's the humble answer would have been like, yeah, okay, we're going to abide in your word, Jesus. Let's go. Freedom sounds awesome. No. What do you mean we're not free? You know, I think we all have, there's, there are parts of the Bible that trigger us. We get to certain passages. Maybe we avoid certain passages. We're like, I can't go there today. The walls go up. We stop being curious and we dig in. We're like, oh, I know what I, I already know what I believe about this. What did that passage say about women? What does the Bible say about that social issue? What did that verse say about sin? What? We get poked in the pride. And then what we do a lot of times is we end up making our own truth instead of treasuring the truth. I think it's amazing, their response. We have never been slaves to anyone. If you know anything about the history of Israel, if you read the Old Testament, you know that they were often slaves of many different people. In fact, God ordained that they would be taken to Egypt, that they'd be taken to Babylon. And in this moment, they weren't free. The Roman Empire was ruling over them. And yet, that's their response. What do you mean we're not free? They made up their own truth. You know, when we, when we run up against the hard truths that the Word of God gives us sometimes, we have a Psalm chapter 1 decision to make. We're either going to get rooted, dig in deep, or we're going to get blown around. That's our choice. Now, being rooted, it doesn't mean that you're just going to accept any old traditional belief or interpretation. It means that you're going to you know, I, I think the, the, the Bible riles us up. It, it stabs us in the pride on purpose so that we'll dig deeper, we'll ask questions, we'll search it out, we'll talk to people that we trust, we'll pray and we'll wrestle, we'll look for perspective. Those are all things we can do instead of 
making up our own truth, like these guys did. How do you respond when the Word of God pokes you in the pride? And it happens. Let's, let's avoid defensiveness. Let's stay curious. Amen? All right, let's talk a little bit about mystery. Um, John chapter 10, verse 22. You can turn there. Another um, reaction that we can have to the Word of God is, is just to be impatient with the mystery of it sometimes. Um, and I'll start reading in verse 22 here. It says that at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. All right, so another interaction with Jesus, another interaction with the Word of God. And so when we read the Bible, when we spend time with, with the living Word, we can kind of have this, this similar response. We struggle with mystery. I think, you know, they struggled with it, obviously, in Jesus' day. They're, they're impatient. Like, can you just tell us plainly? I mean, he's doing these miracles. He's clearly got the power of God. He's saying, I am, I am, I am. Like, he's using God. He's all these things. But they're like, if you could, if you could just level with us here. He's like, I did. <laughs> you see it. Uh, but they're, they're, they, they just want it, really they want it so they can be angry about it, um, but they want him to be clear. And I think if they struggled with mystery, man, today we really struggle with mystery. We don't like it. We want things to be clear. Because we can get an answer for almost everything in our lives right away, right? Like you don't have to wonder about what the capital of Ghana is anymore. You just, you just check it out. You can, you can find it in a second. And I think about this, like, it's, it's crazy that Jesus himself wasn't crystal clear about being the Savior of the world, at least in their eyes. And we, you read the Bible, we know that it's crystal clear he is the Savior of the world. But for the people of his day, Jesus purposely made it a little bit mysterious. He left some wonder in there. Because he wanted people to discover him for themselves. He was after people's hearts, not just their intellectual ascent. So much like what David talked about this morning. And what I love about this is this is not just Jesus, you know, being a little mysterious. Jesus is showing us what God is like. He's showing the whole world what God is like. I, you know, I think we want... Jesus, and we want the Word of God to be a list of facts. Wouldn't that be great? Like, oh, you know, I'm not sure what to do. Let me check my, my Bible fact book, and then I'll know exactly how to respond in this situation. That's not what we get, is it? We want it to be laws. Well, we, they tried that in the Old Testament. It seems like there's got to be a better way. We want it to be checklists. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be so cool if you just had three things you needed to do every day? And if you did those three things, you could feel saved. You could feel secure. No more wondering. 
No more like, oh, am I close to God right now? Why is this so hard? I checked off my three things. Yeah. That's not what we get, is it? We'd love no great, we think we would love that. No gray areas. But instead, when you open your Bible, when you interact with Jesus, the living word, you've got a collection of poems, long lists of names that are hard to pronounce, laws for a specific nation in a very different time and place, letters that weren't written to you, and it all ends with the book of Revelation. (laughs) The plan was not clarity. Jesus was purposefully not clear. The Bible is purposefully mysterious so that we will dig into it. That's exactly what God wanted, mystery. You know, our next uh, sermon series coming up in September is going to embrace the mysterious. It's going to be called Messy Church. And you're like, yeah, this is a messy. No, actually the church is, is getting cleaned and people are doing an awesome job with it. But there's messes in this church. Um, but it's not about that. It's about how it's not neat and tidy to live in community with one another. It's sharing your faith with people is messy because people's lives are messy. And I think sometimes we're like, I'm following the Bible. This should all be wrapped up neat with a bow. And we get disappointed. But that's not what the Bible gives us. Even if your Bible has a wrapping thing on it. That's not how it works. How do you respond when things aren't crystal clear? How do you handle the gray areas, the mystery? Do we get impatient? So many times I've I've prayed with people, I've talked to people, and they say, if I could just have clarity. Have you prayed that prayer? God, just if you would just give me clarity, then I would believe. If you've prayed that prayer, then you have basically quoted this passage in John. Tell us. Be clear with me. And Jesus would say, I have been clear with you. Keep searching. Keep digging. Jesus is in that mystery. Um, are you okay with not seeing the big picture and having to keep digging? Because that's a relationship. That's a relationship with God. Amen? That's the faith part of this relationship. All right, let's look at one more response we can have, and I hope we don't have, and that is giving up. Let's look in John chapter 6. I hope you're thinking about your relationship with God, your relationship with the Word of God. How do you interact with the Bible? John 6, verse 65. uh, And Jesus said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so for some, for some context here, if you read uh, this week, if you're like, if I, I don't even know where to start reading my Bible, read John chapter 6. Uh, because what Jesus has just explained to the crowd, full of disciples, and then his closer group of disciples, is that if you want to follow him, you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Those are the words that Jesus said. And after people heard that, they stopped following him. They're like, 
we don't understand this. We don't like that. It, eating somebody's body, that is bad. We're going to leave. Uh, and even the 12, Jesus is like, are you, are you going to? And so Jesus, he's, he's using these words. He's pushing people out of their comfort zone. And that's what the word of God does. If you read John chapter 6 this week and you aren't a little bit uncomfortable with it, then there's something wrong probably. You should be like, okay, this, this makes me, 2,000 years later, I'm still a little uncomfortable with the flesh eating and blood drinking thing. But what do we do when the word challenges us? When Jesus makes us uncomfortable? Sometimes we give up. Now that doesn't always look like a big production where we blow up, we're like, I'm done with this. I've had enough. A lot of times it happens quietly. We might not even know that we've given up. I want you to think about that right now. Have you given up? Have you stopped listening? There's a phenomenon, it's just been labeled recently with young employees these days, it's called quiet quitting. Have you heard of this, quiet quitting? Um, This is where the worker doesn't quit, but they just come and they do the very least to keep their jobs. You're like, I've been quiet quitting for years. Uh, No, Um, and nothing extra, There's, there's no real reason to fire them. But there's also nothing that's going to advance them in their career. They're just there. And maybe that's fine with your, with your job. But have you quiet quit on God's word? Have you quiet quit on Jesus? Like, you're here, and I'm so glad you're here. Amen. But there's a diff- big difference between showing up and really listening, really being devoted and committed. The disciples, the, you know, his closest disciples, their response is incredible. They're like, They've, they've committed to the point that there's nowhere to quit to. Like, if we quit, where would we go? There's nothing to turn back to. We're going to face challenges. We're going to have times where the Word of God doesn't seem to add up, where it hurts us, actually. But if we've committed to Jesus, then we're never going to stop listening. We're never going to stop digging in. We're never going to stop figuring out how to follow through, even through those challenges. If you've quietly quit, I want to challenge you to get back into his word. Let it be loud in your life. Listen to the voice of Jesus. He hasn't quit on you. Amen? There are going to be opportunities. Even even this September 11th uh, leadership meeting we're having, there's going to be, so that that you can be loud, that you cannot quiet quit anymore. We, We need people to step up to make an impact in this community, the church community, and the greater community. I want you to be ready. It can't come because you're like, oh, let's do church program stuff. Yes, it's got to come because we are fired up about meeting with Jesus. We're each individually hearing from Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus through the word of God, through prayer. And so we come together and amazing things happen. Uh, That's what I'm praying for. That we wouldn't respond with resignation like, okay, but with resolve, like, okay. See the difference in those okays? All right. Let's close this out. So John wants us to know, in the Gospel of John, that the person of Jesus Christ and the Word of God are in some way the same thing. That makes your Bible really special. And what we see then in his Gospel is people keep running into Jesus And they're struggling to respond in a rooted way. 
They're struggling to be that, that tree by the stream that's roots keep getting, digger, uh, keep getting deeper. They're getting blown around like chaff instead. We can be the same way. When we respond with pride and defensiveness instead of curiosity and openness. When we have impatience and we're demanding clear answers instead of humbly embracing the mysteries of God and going along for the ride, the journey. When we are tempted to give up instead of persevering. How have you been responding to the word of God? It's easy for us to depersonalize the word of God. And if you get anything out of this today, I want, you to, I want us to not depersonalize the word of God. This is Jesus talking to us. It's not just words that we read in a book or things you hear from a pulpit. These are words from Jesus. This is him interacting with you. It's a relationship. You know, in the, in the Middle Ages, Christians lost sight of this with the Word of God. You can actually see it in the artwork. Um, so they have these icons, and this is how they would depict the saints. And early on, like in the, you know, in the time of like 3rd century, 4th century, 5th century, they'd have pictures of the saints. This is St. James. Um, and they would have these Bibles, and they'd be open. You could see the letters. Or they'd be leather and kind of like, beat up, you know, like you want your, I feel this Bible's pretty new, and I'm like embarrassed. It's so, it's like, this needs, needs some work, okay? I need to like punch it a little bit and make it look like a preacher's Bible, right? Um, like this is not indicative of my relationship with God right now, okay? Uh, but they, so, but, but the Bibles that the, that the saints were holding became more and more ornamental. Instead of being open, where you could see the words, or, you know, beat up, old, you know, this old book because they had read it. And, and the thing is, James, you know, we've got a book from him. He, his, his Bible, you know, was definitely beat up. But what this reflects is, this is how the people in the Middle Ages started to see the Bible. Not how James's Bible was, but how they saw it. And how did they see it? As this, this ornamental, jewel-encrusted treasure. They weren't treasuring the Word of God anymore. It had become like a treasure. That happens in our walk with God as well. The same thing. We can, it, it, it stops being a relationship, and it just becomes this ornamental thing. I want to encourage you this morning to see the Word of God in the flesh to see Jesus when you read your Bibles, that he lived among us, that he rose from the dead, that he's still alive, and this is one of the ways that we get to interact with the living Jesus. The word became flesh. The word came to life. That's what we get to spend time with. We don't follow a dead Savior. We don't read from a dead Bible. Jesus is alive. So is his word. We have to fight for that perspective. When we do that, we end up being planted by that stream. Fruitful and abundant, not just blowing around. Which will you be? The difference will always be in how you treasure the Word of God. Amen? Let's pray for communion. Lord, uh, we praise you this morning.
uh, the, the fact that we get to read your word, to read from it, to hear from it, is such an amazing blessing. It's, it's part of uh, the proof that we have that you really are alive through your son, Jesus. Um, we thank you so much for the Bible. Um, I know that there are probably people here who uh, have been reading their Bible and just loving it, and then there's people who uh, are feeling maybe even guiltier. I haven't read my Bible in a while. Or, or people who have felt maybe even hurt by your word, which just shows how alive it is that we could, that we could be hurt by something that we read, that we could be scandalized by something that we read. I pray, Lord, for, a, for this church. I pray for a congregation of people that love to have a relationship with Jesus through his word, that we could cherish it, not as a bejeweled treasure, uh, but as, as Jesus living in our hearts through his word. Uh, we know that that's all possible because of the miracle of the cross and the miracle of the resurrection, uh, that Jesus is alive. And as we take communion right now and we think about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that challenging statement, that that's how real this relationship is. And I pray that this could be uh, a week where if we haven't been dug in, that we could dig in deep roots by that stream and experience a real relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for making that possible on the cross. We remember it now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.